this morning, this morning, we begin a brand new series in the life of the church. Pastor Jake, our lead pastor, is going to be sharing a series called Take Five. Take Five is a take on five different people in Scripture who inter- interacted with Jesus Christ and their takes on him as well. Five different people, five perspectives, Take Five. Today is Take One, Peter. Is that camera work? Three, two, one, and action. I'll never forget the day I met him. You probably have a similar story if you follow Jesus. It's just the way he is. He's unforgettable. When he enters your life, it changes everything. We had heard of Jesus before we met him that day. Everybody had. He was teaching in synagogues and doing miracles. Galilee was consumed with the news of this new rabbi on the scene doing these amazing things. So one day, my brother Andrew and I were cleaning our nets after fishing all night because that's what we did. We, we fished. Like my father before him, or my father and his father before him, we we fished. Have you ever fished with nets before? It's not a lot of fun. It gets hot, the fish stink, and everybody looks down on you. We were uneducated fishermen. But that day, as we were cleaning our nets, Jesus showed up with a crowd of people. He, he had a crowd around him a lot, actually. This time he had his back to us in the shore and he was backing up slowly, allowing more people to come around him to listen until finally he ran out of room. And he turned to Andrew and I and he walked over to us and he got into the boat and just kept teaching into our boat that was anchored in the shallow water. And we were mesmerized with him, so we didn't care. We just kept listening and the crowd just kept growing until finally they got up to the edge of the water. And I'll never forget it. Jesus kind of wrapped up his teaching and he turned and he, he looked right at me. And I remember thinking, why is he looking at me? Who am I that this man would look at me? Later I found out it was just a natural reaction to his gaze. You felt unworthy to even be noticed by this man. But he looked at me and he asked me to take him out on the boat onto the sea and to let our nets down for one more catch of fish. And I said something really dumb. Have you ever said something dumb before? Sometimes that happens to me. I let things get out of my mouth before I can catch them. Here Jesus is asking me to do this relatively simple thing, to take him out on the sea one more time, let our nets down for a catch of fish. And what do I say? I say, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. We didn't catch anything. In other words, that's a dumb idea. I don't want to do that. I already did that all night. There's no more fit. We can't. It's, it's just a dumb idea. I didn't know who he was. I didn't get it back then. But I felt the foolishness of my words as they came out. So I added on the end, but at your word, we'll let down the nets. And it was crazy. Andrew and I had been fishing all night. It was a night shift kind of job. 
We were exhausted, and we had no stinky fish to show for it, although we didn't smell too great ourselves, especially my kid brother Andrew, that guy. (laughs) But it was crazy. When we let down the nets at Jesus' word, we caught tons of fish, more fish than I'd ever seen in a net before, more fish than our net had ever seen, too, because it started to rip and break, and we had to get help from the shore to bring in all of the fish. And when we did get to the shore with the fish, I, I looked at my brother Andrew wide-eyed like, who is this guy? It was a miracle. I, I had never seen a miracle So I just fell down at Jesus' feet. I felt so unworthy to be in his presence, like looking at him and seeing him do this amazing thing. My sinfulness came to the forefront. And I said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And then I just said it. It just came out. I called him Lord. And in that moment, it was like I realized that that title fit this man. It was like even when I had first laid eyes on him, somewhere deep inside, I knew that I was created for him and created with this ability to recognize him. I didn't have all the words for it back then like I do now. Now I'm an apostle and I teach and I preach and I write letters to churches to help them understand who Jesus is. I don't write as many letters as my friend Paul That guy writes tons of letters. Everybody loves Paul's letters. (laughs) But I do write some letters, at least two. And I do understand a lot more now than I did back then. But even on that first day, I knew that Lord fit this Jesus. About that time, my friends James and John came up. Jesus had a funny nickname for them, Sons of Thunder. It wasn't meant to be a good thing. It wasn't a superhero nickname. They had such hot tempers back then. But now John is the most gracious of us apostles. It's because when Jesus comes into your life, you have no choice but to be changed. I'm not saying that everybody who met Jesus or listened to him back then followed him, believed him. Far from it. Most didn't. Most bailed when the teachings got difficult. Most bailed when things got tough. Even even I did. But what I am saying is that you can't help but be changed when you have a real, true encounter with Jesus. Your choice about who Jesus is will change you. One way or the other, forever. Where was I? Oh, yeah. I was kneeling before Jesus, and I was telling him to leave me because I was unworthy. Well, he didn't leave me. In fact, he picked me up, and he said, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. You'll be fishers of men. I didn't understand what that meant. None of us did. But what we did understand is that we couldn't possibly go back to catching stinky fish all day after this. We couldn't possibly go back to that. We understood that we had to be near this man, that we had to be in his presence. And so when Jesus looked at us and said, follow me, we did. We dropped our nets and we followed him from that day 
forward, we became his disciples, which is crazy because we weren't qualified in any sense of the term. We had all gone to synagogue school where our teachers had told us that we couldn't cut it as disciples of a rabbi. They had told us that maybe we should spend more time learning to fish than learning to read and write. We weren't going to cut it. So we never thought we'd have the honor of following a rabbi like Jesus. (laughs) I can't believe that that first day I met him, I told Jesus we shouldn't go fishing because I had already been fishing. I just didn't get it. But he was so patient with me, so gracious with me back then. He gave me a second chance and a third and a fourth. That's the way he is. That's who he is. Grace, love, second chances. I don't have a great track record of keeping my mouth shut. Sometimes I just can't hold it in and it gets out. When I look back at myself then, I just laugh because I was so stubborn and so impulsive. Jesus told me things over and over and over. I saw him do amazing miracles, much more amazing than catching some fish. And yet I still just didn't get it. I didn't get it. Like there was this one time when Jesus was uh, asking us a question. He did that a lot. He asked us questions to get us thinking. It was actually pretty maddening. Um, I would tell him, just speak to us plain. And he would answer me by telling us some story we didn't understand or asking us another question. We never knew the answer. We usually didn't. But this one time I kind of did. Like Jesus had just fed thousands of people with a few loaves of bread and a couple stinky fish. And it was this amazing miracle. We had baskets of food left over. It was just awesome. But it was a long, hot day. And so afterwards, Jesus took us away to spend some time with us. And he, was, he did that a lot. He was always trying to get us to make time for, to pray and to recharge and to rest. And so that's what we were doing. And then Jesus looked at us all of a sudden and he asked us a question. He said, who do the people say that I am? And I stayed quiet, but the other guys kind of spoke up and they said, well, John the Baptist, some people say you're John the Baptist raised from the dead. And and somebody else said, well, some people say Elijah and some people say Jeremiah or another prophet raised from the dead. And when everybody kind of quieted down, Jesus looked at us real intently and he said, But who do you say that I am? And I jumped up and I said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And I didn't even know the implications of that really. But it felt right, like I had never said something more true than that statement. It was like, yeah, he he must be the son of God. He must be the Christ, the Messiah that the world has been groaning for since the fall in Genesis, like my friend Paul likes to say now. He must be the Christ. And let me tell you, when I said that, I stepped up to the front of the class Like, Jesus looked at me and he goes, Simon, son of Jonah. Simon's my first name. I go by Peter now, but Simon's my first name. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, 
flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but it was my Father in heaven. And then he said this. He goes, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys to, the, to heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Woo! <laughs> I was pumped. I looked at John, the beloved disciple. <laughs> and I was like, what now, John? I'm the rock, baby. Can you smell what the rock is cooking? I got the keys. I was on cloud nine for sure. I was only there for like two minutes. Because then Jesus started talking about how he had to suffer and die. and I didn't get it. I just said that He was the Christ, the son of the living God, that he was the Messiah, the king that would come in and set Israel up and overthrow Rome and usher in God's eternal kingdom. And now he was talking about dying. I didn't get it. I thought he was giving up. I thought Jesus needed a pep talk. I thought he needed me. Now I know that's a mistake. Because if you ever think that Jesus needs you to accomplish his will, you're mistaken. But I was so foolish. I, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I rebuked Jesus. I know, I know. You've never done that, right? You've never told God that he should do it your way or made a mistake or, or should change. You've never done that, but I did. I rebuked Jesus. I had just been put at the front of the class, but after I rebuked Jesus, he said, get behind me, Satan. Two minutes ago, I was Peter, the rock on which the church would be built, but now, Satan. And he looked at me and he said, you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man. And I was crushed. I'm pretty sure I heard Andrew and John laugh. Like, that didn't take long. Give me the keys. (laughs) Then Jesus started talking to us about how we had to give everything up for him. How we needed to deny ourselves, uh, our plans, our passions, our desires, our well-being, and carry a cross for him daily. We didn't understand what that meant, but what he was saying was that we'd have to be ready to be tortured and murdered for him at a moment's notice. He was saying that it wouldn't be all glory and wealth like we thought it would be. Honestly, when I rebuked Jesus, I thought I was going to get kicked out of the group. I thought for sure Jesus would tell me what my synagogue teachers had told me all those years before. You can't cut it as a disciple. Why don't you go catch fish? But he didn't. 
He just kept leading me and teaching me and encouraging me. He gave me a second chance and a third and a fourth. It's the way he is. It's who he is. Grace, love, second chances. Jesus gave me a lot of second chances over the years. Like there was this one time where we were in a boat headed across, me and the guys were in a boat headed across the, the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum. And, and Jesus was supposed to meet us on the other side. And I remember a, a storm kind of kicked up and the wind got pretty serious and the waves were crashing against the boat. And we started to get a little worried. And about that time, we looked off on the, in the distance and we saw what looked like a man walking on water. And we thought it was a ghost. You would have too, all right? Have you ever seen a man walking on water in the middle of the sea in the middle of a storm? Neither had I. And I'd been on this sea a bunch of times before this. So I thought it was a ghost. And then all of a sudden it said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And I was like, nah. <laughs> Whatever. Like, that's a demon ghost. I'm not messing around. Like, come on. We were about to die in the storm, and now we got this demon ghost in. It is I? Nah. So I said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. And he said, come. And that time, the second time he spoke, I recognized his voice. It was Jesus. Once I recognized his voice, I was ready to take a step of faith and step out on the water with him. Because listen, steps of faith and all that are great, but only if and when you hear Jesus' voice. Faith follows Jesus' voice, not the other way around. So once I knew it was Jesus, I was ready to take a step of faith, but not before then. So I stepped out of the boat onto the water and what happened next, I get a lot of flack for. But I just want to point out to you that everybody else stayed on the boat. <laughs> Nobody else stepped out. John and Andrew were reclining comfortably, letting me take all the risks as always. But I stepped out of the boat and I stepped on the water and I, I didn't sink. It was crazy. It blew my mind. I was walking on water. And as long as I had my focus on Jesus, I was okay. And I took a few steps on the water until I got pretty close to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, I started to lose my focus. I started to notice the, the wind and the waves and the storm and the danger again. And I started to sink. And I thought I was going to drown. So I yelled out to Jesus, Lord, save me. And he grabbed my hand and he kept me from drowning. And he said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And I didn't know why. I mean, I had seen Jesus do amazing things. I had just walked on water and yet I doubted again. Jesus walked us back to the boat, and we got in, and everybody was just ecstatic 
about what Jesus had just done, that obviously he was the son of God because he had just walked on water. And it was exciting, but I just felt dejected. And I was thinking, I can't do this. Why do I keep messing this up? I'm not cut out to be Jesus' disciple. But Jesus, he never mentioned it again. He was so patient with me, he, he gave me a second chance and a third and a fourth. That's the way he is. That's who he is. Grace, love, second chances. But what I want to talk to you about today, what I know you really need to hear, I've just been stalling to this point. Because... I know you need to hear about my, my darkest time, the darkest time in my life. It was the time that I made the biggest mistake I've ever made. It was the time I actually denied Jesus openly, directly. I did that to my friend. I betrayed him. I don't like to talk about it, but it was the night that Jesus was arrested. Before he was arrested, we were all together eating, and he had just sent Judas away. And it was a confusing time because he was acting like we weren't going to see him again. Like he was giving us these last instructions before he left, and it was confusing. We didn't get it. We didn't understand that he had to die, that he had to leave in order for this thing to happen. And then he looked at me and he said this weird thing about Satan wanting to have me and wanting to sift me like wheat. And he said that he was praying that my faith wouldn't fail. And he told me that when I turned back, like I was going to leave him, when I turned back, I should strengthen my brothers. But I was all in. So I said, no, 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 Jesus, I'm all in. I'll go to the end, prison, death, whatever it takes, I'll go with you to the end. And I thought, I thought I really was. I thought I was ready to die for Jesus that night. He was my best friend. But Jesus said that I wouldn't stay strong and that, in fact, I would deny him three times that very night. That, that very night, I would say I didn't even know him three times before the rooster crowed. And I thought, surely he's wrong. I know he's been right, like always, but surely he's wrong this one time. Surely he's wrong. But he wasn't. I did it. I, to my shame, I denied Jesus three times. Later that night, the soldiers came to get Jesus, and I wanted to prove him wrong so badly. I grabbed one of their swords, and I swung it as hard as I could to defend Jesus, and I actually landed a blow. I cut a guy's ear off. But then Jesus came up, and he said, Peter, that's not the way this is going to happen, and he healed the guy. It was super confusing. And I watched as they hauled Jesus away. And my world started crumbling. And I thought, after all we've done, after all we've worked for, after all we've believed in, this is how it's going to end? 
I followed them at a distance until we got to the high priest's house and a a little servant girl, just a little girl came out and she said I'd been with Jesus. I was one of his groups. She was trying to get me in trouble. And I should have said, yes, I'm one of his. I'm Peter. I'm his number one disciple and I will go to death for him. But to my shame, I denied him to a junior high girl. She left and another person came up and he said the same thing that I'd been with Jesus. I was one of Jesus' group. and I didn't defend him. I didn't stand up for him. I wasn't willing to drink the cup that he was drinking. Even after all the bravado and all the big statements and all the promises, I denied Jesus a second time. About an hour later, another person came up and they insisted that I had been with Jesus. They could tell I was a Galilean. Another chance for me to fulfill my promise to stand for Jesus. But I said, no, I don't even know who you're talking about. About that time, I saw Jesus being hauled to a different place and I caught his eye. And I heard the rooster crow. It had all happened exactly as Jesus had said it would. And I was filled with this shame and this sadness and this confusion. So I just ran as fast as I could. I got out of there and I wept and I wept and I wept. How could I do this to Jesus? How could I do this after all the second chances? How could I betray him like this? There was no way that he was ever going to forgive me, that he would ever let me back. Have you ever felt that way? Like you'd done something that you couldn't possibly come back from. Like you'd run out of second chances with Jesus. That's where I was at. I was so ashamed and so confused. I watched as they took my friend, as my friend Jesus the one who I thought was the Messiah, as he was unfairly tried and beaten and eventually crucified. I heard him yell from the cross, it is finished. And I thought it was. I thought it was over. My heart broke. My dreams were crushed. And I was filled with shame. They laid him in a tomb and my life fell apart. A couple days later, we were all gathered together talking about what had happened and trying to figure out what we were going to do next. And Mary ran up and she said she had seen Jesus alive and it didn't make sense and we didn't believe her, but we went and checked the tomb and the tomb was empty. We didn't know what that meant. And, and so we came back to the room we were meeting in and almost all of us were there and we locked the door. We were talking about what it all meant and what we were going to do. And then all of a sudden, Jesus appeared right next to us and it freaked us out. 
But he said, peace be with you. And I felt this peace enter into my heart and into my mind. I was still ashamed and I was still sad and I was still broken, but I had this peace. And then Jesus breathed his spirit into us. And I started to feel like something deep on the inside of me was getting a second chance. Not, like not just me and my behavior, but it was like my very existence was getting a second chance. Like my first existence had been headed towards darkness and death and shame. But now this second chance had opened up, this new way, this other way that led to life. But I was still struggling because I had denied Jesus three times. Satan had, in fact, sifted me like wheat. So whatever Jesus was going to do, it was great he was back, but whatever he was going to do, or who was going to set up his kingdom or whatever, surely it didn't have anything to do with me. Surely I had been disqualified. So I went back to the only thing that had always been there my whole life. Stinky fish. I went back to fishing. I went back to the sea. I went back to what I knew. And so a couple days later, we were out fishing and we weren't catching anything as usual. And we heard a voice from the shore say, hey, you, you caught any fish? And we were like, no, thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> and the guy said, why don't you throw the, try throwing the net on the other side of the boat? And I was like, that's really dumb, but why not? So we threw it on the other side of the boat. And when we gathered the net and we caught tons of fish, and it was like a moment of deja vu. Like I remembered that first day that I had been with Jesus and the catch of fish that day. And I remembered how he had said, he'd given us a purpose and he had said that we would be fishers of men. And I, I remembered how I had fallen before him feeling unworthy to be in his presence and how he had picked me up that first time that led to the third, second time, that led to the third time, that led to the millionth time. And I realized that God's purpose for our lives never goes away, no matter how far we wander. And as I was thinking about this in that moment, John looked up and he said, it's the Lord. And I didn't hesitate. I didn't ask him if I could come this time. I didn't worry about walking on the water. I just dove in the water. And I started to swim as fast as I could back to the shore, back to Jesus. And when I got there, he didn't scold me. He didn't ignore me. He, he just gave me some fish and told me, to, told me to cook it, so I did. And then later, we were sitting there, and Jesus looked at me, and he said, Simon, do you love me? And I said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, then feed my lambs. Then a little later, he looked at me again and he said, Simon, do you love me? I said, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. He said, then tend my sheep. 
And I thought it was all over, but then a little later, he looked at me a third time and he said, Simon, do you love me? And I I was hurt. I didn't know what to say. So I said, you know all things, Lord. You know that I love you. And he told me to feed his sheep again. Then it dawned on me that I had denied Jesus three times. And he had just given me the chance to reverse those denials one after the other. And then Jesus looked at me and he said those words that he had said that first day on that same beach. He looked at me and he said, follow me. And I realized that I was getting a second chance. I was getting a second chance to follow Jesus and the shame and the confusion fell away and it was, it was replaced with gratitude. I was just so thankful that Jesus was giving me a second chance. He gave me a second chance and a third and a fourth. That's the way he is. That's who he is. Grace, love, second chances. I'm Peter. This is my take, my perspective on Jesus. He's a God of second chances. I know that from experience. Do you need a second chance? There is nothing that you could do that could disqualify you from God's grace giving you one in Jesus. Just ask him. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you're in here today and you have yet to say yes to Jesus. I don't know what step you need to take to grow closer to Jesus today. But I know this, that if you want him, It's not like he's hiding. It's not like you have to climb a mountain to get to him. His overwhelming love is pursuing you, running after you. When you turn, when you're walking this way away from God and you turn to him, there's not a mile to walk. He's right behind you, pursuing after you. So I don't know where you're at today, but... We celebrate today that Jesus died on the cross, but he didn't stay there. He rose from the dead. He defeated death and hell and the grave for you. He loves you. And today would be a great day for you to give your life over to Christ. Let me just pray. Jesus, I pray that those who are far from you today would take a step close to you. I pray, Jesus that those who feel shame feel like they can't possibly get another second chance from you. They can't possibly be forgiven. God, I pray that that shame and that confusion would fall away, Lord, and that they would feel your second chance, your grace, your love in their lives. As we 
remain in an attitude of prayer, just with our eyes closed and our heads bowed. I don't know where you're at, but if you need to give your life over to Christ, I don't want you to leave this place without doing that. If you want to take that that first step towards him, you came in with shame and guilt and, and that thing that you did and you thought you couldn't be forgiven, but I'm telling you today that there's no place you could run to, that there's no, no place you could go to where God's arm wouldn't reach you. And so today you're saying, I accept that. I, I want his forgiveness. I want his grace to enter my life. I want to be transformed. Maybe you've been walking with Christ on and off, but you did something and you just haven't come back since then. And today Jesus is saying, I want to give you a second chance and a third and a fourth. That's who I am. I want to give you a second chance. You'll just take it. If that's you with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, just pray a prayer to say, Jesus, I accept that second chance. I commit my life to you. I I want to be made new. I want to follow after you from this day forward. Just in your own words, say that prayer. And then just begin to do it from this day forward. If that's you today, I would love to pray for you. So with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, if you want to accept that second chance, maybe it's the first time you've ever given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've been running, but Jesus has been pursuing you and today you're turning towards him. Either one, if that's you, would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Anyone in this room that when I see that hand, anyone else? Yeah, I see those hands. Keep them up. Yeah, I see those hands. Lord, I pray for all these that have hands raised. I pray in Jesus' name that the decision they're making today would not be just one emotional decision made on an emotional day, but it would be something that sticks with them, God, that your seed the seed of your gospel would go deep into their heart and find good soil, Jesus, that you would protect them from the lies of the enemy that would come in and snatch it away. We pray this, Lord, in your name and for your glory. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Can we give them a clap? The Lord's good. Why don't you stand with me? Stand with me. We've got prayer team on the sides. We'd love to pray for you. If you want to give your life to Jesus or want prayer for anything, Make sure you go to a life group this week and talk this over. If you're not in a life group, stop at Connection Central and they'll get you plugged into one. And as always, make sure that you don't let this stop with you. That this week, you talk to somebody, you open the scriptures and talk about Peter and God giving a second chance. Don't let this stop with you. Be a Jesus follower who makes and disciples other Jesus followers. Happy Resurrection Day.